Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Cisco. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure that history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Did I say Star Tread? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe redo that one. No, no, let's keep it. Star Tread. Star Tread, the Nebs generation. <laughs> Star Tread, Fleep Space Nine. Star Tread, Viscovery. Listen, it's called Star Trek. People call it Star Trek sometimes. That drives me, drives me crazy. Welcome to another episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. And I am here. My name is Jordan Hoffman. We got Brian here. We are ready to speak to you, the Star Trek fans. We are only a week and a few days away from the first episode of Discovery, and it's an exciting time speaking to you. Linda Hura, open a channel to all decks. That's how I feel. I feel like I'm in the middle of it all. I'm in the captain's seat speaking to you. It's very exciting. And uh, we have a special guest coming up. Um Wait, we already did a big talk up for him when we recorded this a few hours ago. Oh yeah, we don't need to do an intro. No, no, we, we let's. Talk. This was good, Brian. Let's go to the next intro. <laughs> you ready? Go play the theme music again. Space. Here, let's all listen to it together. Frontier. Let's sing along. These are the voyages. Of if you're listening to this show, I want you to know that this has been a very long day. Brian and I have been here all afternoon. <laughs> And, um, oh, that's the guy. Oh, this is the old intro. I never oh, updated this one. We haven't heard this in a while. Oh, yes, that's right. This is the old intro. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. All right. You know, this brings up a good point. I suddenly have some more energy. I know. This is a good intro. Whoever made Did you make this? Uh, no, I didn't make it. Seth made it. No, Andy made it. Andy made it. Andy is our production. I know wizard. that the guy he was—he's the bald guy, right? No, no, no. He sits in a little cave over there that oh, he right. doesn't come out and talk to anybody. But he's—he just magic in there. Okay, you know what we're gonna have to do in just a few weeks? We might have to. Ad- oh, we might have right. to adjust the intro. But but who do we add? Do we do we add just Captain Lorca? No, or do we it's add not the. Cap- it's we, it's gonna be Michael. But there, we're gonna have audio of Sonequa Martin Green saying. I am Lieutenant Michael Burnham, and we're going to have to add that. Okay. That works. I hope so. We're going to know soon. 
All right, cool. So you know what, Brian? We've now introed the intro, and let's go to the next intro. <laughs> you should keep all that. It's very meta. It's like a Monty Python episode. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. And we are back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Uh, T minus what? Uh, T minus a week uh, until the, the debut, finally, of Discovery. Very soon. Very soon. Uh, we are recording this a little bit in advance because our special guest today, who we're going to beam in in a moment... Uh, was on the set of Discovery. And you might say, well, so what? A lot of people are on the set. You know, you got the, the crew, you got the cast, you got the guy that, that fills the coffee, he goes to the set. Well, the guy that we're going to talk to today is as big a Star Trek fan as you or I. I mean, I mean, he's got his own Star Trek podcast, for God's sakes, Transporter Room 3, which is a remarkable podcast that I've been a guest on. So Scott Kalura is going to come on the show in a little bit. But before we get to that, what's latest in the news? We don't know because we're recording this uh, a couple weeks in advance. Yes, so so, <laughs> so the news that happened in next week, right? We, we don't we know. Talk, we talked about that. For all we know, one of the great Star Trek actors said something brilliant, but was taken out of context by one of those loser websites that rhymes with IO Shine, <laughs> and uh, t- got everybody into a tizzy, as they always like to do. And 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 for all we know, that's the big buzz. But we hope that isn't the case. The real big buzz, Brian, is the ice machine isn't working in here. Yes. I went to get some uh, water, filled my jug, <laughs> and I'm like, I would love for this to be cold. Press the ice machine. Lukewarm. No, that's not, what you get. Yeah. You get lukewarm water here. But that's just the way it is. So listen, uh, last week's show, we had um, uh, a fun chat, a fun and overmodulated chat with Rene Aubergenois. And prior to that, we spoke with our friend Tim Russ. But today, we've got Scott Kulora, who has been in the trenches of nerd journalism for over a decade. I, you know, he's not listening right now, Brian, so I can talk to you face to face, man to man. Scott Kalura is one of the greatest people that he is one of the greatest and most honorable and forthright men out there. Well, now I'm even more excited to hear from him. <laughs> and this guy's a nerd. I mean, he's a real nerd. He is hardcore and he's breeding. He has a, a, a young child who he's breeding in his, in his, uh, grooming in his, his image. The guy, he takes him to all the nerd movies and quizzes him after about Thor and Spider-Man. It's fantastic. Well, I'll be doing this with my own son soon enough, so I know. I mean, maybe I'll have some competition. How old? He's like around two, your, your young uh, lad, right? A year and a half, so yeah. yeah. I'm pretty close to two. All right, so you can <laughs> maybe later you and Scott can talk business. So you know what? Let's uh, beam him in. Scott Kulur of IGN.com, the great IGN, where he's been since... Since uh, You know how long he's been at IGN? I do not. Since they've been EGN. That's oh, how long. Wow. <laughs> So let's uh, let's beam him in. We don't have uh, we're in the the battle station today, so we don't have our live sound effects. But let's I'll pretend let's pretend we added in the sound effect, <laughs> Ooh, and we just heard the beaming in. And Scott Colora, you're here. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me, Jordan <laughs> and Brian. <laughs> Scott, how long have I known you? Gosh, I don't know. That's a good question. It's got to be at least back to before the Federation Cardassian War, I guess. <laughs> 
right. That's right. I don't know, Jordan. At yeah. least a decade? We're not, like that? It's probably been close to 10 years. We, you know, neither of us are Tholians, so we don't keep time that closely. <laughs> but uh, you are indeed one of the uh, remarkable Star Trek fans, and you have been working for IGN.com for a great long time. Yes. Yep. And you have re- you've done a lot of great stuff over there. You've, um, if anybody listening has ever uh, pressed play on any of IGN's videos, like uh, you know, you think you know the X Men, or you know, get to know the X Men, and then you get knowledge dropped on you of deep cuts. That's that's your baby, right? Well, thank you. Yes, very much. Uh, I did something over there called Comics History 101, which was super popular, where we would jump uh, delve into all the the details and geeky nerdiness of the history of various comics and uh i've done something called the ever every ever series where we will like list every single member of the x-men or it's like a visual infographic video series so i've done a bunch of stuff like that but of course the star trek coverage is what's really near and dear to my heart absolutely yeah (laughs) and you your 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 love of trek began um as a kid, right? I mean, you yeah, were... sure. I, mean, I think you know, being from New York, as you are, I, I remember watching it on the local WPIX uh, stations in syndication. You'd have to wait up till midnight to catch it in like high school, uh, followed by the one a.m. showing of Twilight Zone. I think it might have been a twofer. You'd get Twilight Zone at one a.m. and one thirty a.m. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where it began, and it was just a, the you know, perfect time to become a fan because it was when the movies were starting to, I think it was maybe, you know, circa like Search for Spock and Voyage Home were, were hitting theaters at that time, and, and then a couple of years after that, Next Generation debuted when I was in college, and it was like, wow, you know, it was like a golden age, so yeah. um, that's where it all began. You know, began. a lot of people think of college as a golden age of, like, dating and, uh, <laughs> Not you <for> know. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a golden age of watching The Next Generation. <laughs> well, it depends. Are you talking about visualizing dating Deanna Troy, or are you talking about actual dating? Oh, okay, you're right. <laughs> I take it all back. Um, yeah, no, those midnight shows of uh, of um, uh, of of original series. I mean, that was I, I've talked about this on the show before. It was eleven. Is you know midnight on Channel Eleven WPIX. Yep, and. Uh, you know, I was also really into uh, David Letterman. You know, he was a pioneer in comedy that you know sure. back then, and really ahead of his time. And he would come on at twelve thirty, and so it was always the thing you'd put on. First of all, I shouldn't. I wasn't supposed to be up that late anyway, but uh, you know, I'd sneak into the guest room and watch the little TV in there, and start watching Trek at midnight. And then at 1227, I'd be like, oh, boy, Letterman's going to start. What do I do? Like, where do my interests lie? Is it in cutting-edge comedy or is it in this episode? And if it was, you know, Arena or something like that, obviously I'm staying with Trek. But if it was the alternative factor, <laughs> you know, maybe I would switch over and watch <laughs> Terry Garr on The Late Show with David Letterman with, you know, with Robert Cray as the, as the musical guest or whoever it was. These were the these were the issues that we had back. We didn't yes. have the TiVo. We didn't have DVR. I guess I could have videotaped it, but who did that, right? Well, you know? the, yeah, the videotaping was even complicated back then. Like, if you didn't have, like, the... The, quite the right setup. You'd have to like leave it on the channel while you were recording, or the the, the clock was blinking twelve <laughs> right, on the VCR. Right, then. right. right. <laughs> well, you know, these are the challenges that today's audiences are not going to face. Because right. and listen to this segue. The, you know, the people at, at All Access are going to love me because now <laughs> the newest iteration of Star Trek, 
called Discovery, in case people listening don't know, uh, is going to be streamable. And if you want to watch it the moment it's first available, God bless. But if you are late, I mean, I'm watching Twin Peaks right now. Uh, and I'm loving it. We try to watch it on Sundays, but it's Sundays at 8 o'clock. I'm sometimes not home. Yep. It's all right. We get home at 8.42. We watch Twin Peaks then. You know, we watch whenever the heck we want. Yep. Sometimes we're late a day or so. That's the way it works these days. So uh, that's how it's going to be with Discovery, which is awesome. And streaming is great. Uh, and I'm leading to the big question is, I wonder if you know a little bit more about Discovery than I do because you were up in Toronto visiting the set with your IGN hat on it. And I was uh, invited because I'm great, but I was unable to attend because I'm a loser. So <laughs> I, uh, I was not able to make it happen for uh, reasons that will haunt me to my grave. I hope at some point I'm able to visit the set. Um, so maybe it's season four, I will, but for now I didn't go. So you got to tell me from yeah. a, a, f a fan perspective, and you've been to a lot of sets. You know, you've been covering sure. movies and TV for IGN for a long, long time. You've been to sets probably at the same stage in Toronto. Have you been to that one before? Yep, I've been up there, sure. What have you yep. seen up there? Resident Evil 3 and stuff like that? Yeah, or? I think some Resident Evil stuff I've seen up there. I want to say that I, I want to say that I saw the original, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead was shooting up there, if memory serves. We're going back quite a ways now. That was... Definitely in Toronto. I think it was up on those sound stages at Pinewood. I, yeah. I think, Is that where they did also that awful Total Recall remake? Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> I went to that set. It was a great set. A terrible movie, but the set was cool. All right. So you go, you get off the plane, you go to Toronto, they pick you up in the car, they say, All right, Mr. Press, welcome to the set of Discovery. You open the door and you say, I say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even, couldn't even manage to summon a, a Star Trek quote in the moment because I was so impressed uh, by what I saw. Uh, it's, uh, these sets are something else. They really are. And like you say, I've been on, I've been on the helicarrier from the Avengers. I've been on like, you know, super scientific um, headquarters for Godzilla. I've been on all kinds of crazy sets. But the... The sets for Discovery are really, really impressive. I mean, you, I, walk, I stood on the bridge of the Discovery, and it's just, um, you, you feel like you are on a starship. It's wow. just really impressive. Uh, and the, the, my one regret about the visit is that I just didn't have the time to fully take in every, like, kind of nook and cranny and every little detail because they're kind of, we had, you know, relatively limited time because, of course, they're, they're working sets and they... Um, they, they have a schedule to keep. But uh, just, just to give you an example of the level of detail on these things, like on the Bridge of the Discovery, I was walking around from station to station. And, you know, we've all seen stills from, um, from the show, and we've seen the trailers. But to really go around and look at each station, it's like it's, they've just really thought it all through. You know, there's like the, behind the captain's chair, there's a, there's a communications station, kind of like a horrors back in the day. And there's a engineering station, and there's a – I think it was a tactical station and one for the drive, actually, like the engines, which was oh. separate from engineering, which uh, was a kind of a question I had that I couldn't get answered. Why, why would the drive section be separate from engineering? Mm. But, but then you go um, in the back of the bridge, there's a door, and you go through it, and it's Captain Lorca's ready room, kind of like Picard had his ready room, sure. right? Yeah. But, but Lorca, being a sort of man of action in a time of war, I guess, he, he has the stand-up style desk. You know those, 
You know the people nowadays who they don't sit when they go to work; they stand at their desk. Yeah, just, now you know Brian's like that. <laughs> okay, I <laughs> actually sit at my stand desk now because I, I I just stopped one day. But you've been, <laughs> wait, you've had a stand at desk forever. I, I have, but I, I've been sitting for like the last three months. So the Klingons have defeated you. <laughs> yes, they have. Oh man! <laughs> so he's got a stand up desk. That's, yes, that's he has a, a stand up desk, and there's a and which is cool. I think it kind of says something about his character, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and in that in his ready room, there's a this huge tactical map of what's going on because there's essentially as we know there's a war going right now between the klingons and the federation and uh and i took a look at the map and it's just the level of of uh detail uh like they're naming all sorts of planets from canon like rora penthe was on the map and galarndon core and sherman's planet which i believe sherman's planet was from trouble with tribbles no 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 that was Yes, that was. Sherman's planet was trouble with tribbles. You're right. I, Rig- I, Wrigley's pleasure planet was from the man trap. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and that might have been there, too. I didn't, again, like I say, like, I didn't have time to, like, I, re- I wanted to stand there with my notepad and write down every detail, and I didn't really have time. Oh, but man. No- notably, on Sher- Sherman's planet appears to have been occupied by the Klingons during this time period. Oh, so, Ooh, uh, okay. Which, you know, might, ki- might tie, all tie into why the tribbles hate the Klingons. Right, and, right. You know, eventually. Sure. But, but that, that's sort of the level of detail that you're dealing with. This is stuff that will never, probably will never make it to the screen. It's it's just it's what used to be acudograms, right? On, right. In the next generation era, uh, little details that are just kind of there to f- to flesh out the bigger um, sense of reality on the, on the set. But everything, you know, there's so many actual references that made sense in the context of. It wasn't like they just threw any old planets in there. It's like, oh well, yeah, right, yeah. Or Penthe is on the border, the you know the Klingon prison planet. Yeah, or whatever. well, why so, not? You know, I mean, they have the opportunity. You're right. I mean, you would have to probably have a 70 inch television and very good resolution to hit pause to catch it. But you know, if somebody's yeah. got to write something there, I mean, it's it's very easy to look this sort of information up. You know, I yep. mean, why not just do that? It just shows a level of you know graciousness, I suppose, to the fan. And to the legacy to to put yep. things like Rura Penthe and, and, yeah. and in there. I, and I did, and then at the tactical station, I was looking at the map there, and I was looking for the Enterprise to see if it was anywhere in oh. the. And and uh, and I fa- I in fact did find that the Enterprise is out there. Yes, as we know, it is. But I I was able to confirm it. And I have to say, there was one kind of annoying error there, which is again, <laughs> this will never be on camera, but yeah. it, it was listed as the Enterprise A, and I was like. Oh, oh, this is <laughs> oh, a no- take a note. Well, um, <laughs> let's wait and see. Maybe there is an Enterprise A that we don't know about. Could be, so, could uh, be a time displaced Enterprise A. Maybe <laughs> it could be. Who, who knows? I'd like to think that. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. So, um, so you you hit the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah. And we've sort of seen sort of what that looks like in some of the imagery that's come out yeah. already. You saw Lorca's reading room. Um, what I read in the, there was an article in Variety that explained that they've taken over such uh, huge sections of this tremendous soundstage that they have all these corridors on there where you can really feel like you're getting lost yeah. walking through. It's did true. you did you it walk through those so corridors? We went, we, we went for a walk through the corridors, and you Who, do. Who's just, taking you on this tour? Was it one of the producers, or was it like a? It, uh, w- it was actually it was Aaron Harbart, who's the show uh, the co showrunner. Yeah, uh, with Gretchen Berg, uh, so he. It was just Aaron that day who was on set, and so he took us for a tour, and he was talking us through everything, which was great. Uh, you know, he's he's a great salesman for the show. He, um, if you have any doubts about it, I think you just need to he- listen to what he has to say, 
because he really seems to get it, uh, and he's so attuned to every little detail. And you know, he's the showrunner. He's a he's a he's essentially a writer producer, right? But he's talking about all the little technical details and things that you know very often would just be more the purview of production design and people like that. But he's he seems to be on top of all of those aspects as well. So he took us for a walk through the corridors, and I again, I you really. In the corridors, especially, you feel like you're on the starship because there's no, there's not even any windows to kind of betray that there's not an actual starfield outside. Yeah. Um, interestingly, the um, apparently the corridors are you do double duty as the discovery corridors, and then they're um, they're redressed to also be the Shenzhou corridors. Yes. Okay. As well. The, um, the Shenzhou, which is the ship that uh, Captain Giorgio is is the captain of, uh, right. Before Michael Burnham ends up on the discovery right. for reasons that we can only uh, hint at now having not seen the show but you know right yeah i'm you know i really don't i i don't know much they, you know yeah. they weren't giving plot details or spoilers away and that's not what we're here to talk about anyway yeah we want to wait till we see the show yeah so i don't want to be spoiled on it but um but yeah so the the shenzu do, it does in fact exist as a set and i wasn't able we didn't go on the bridge of the shenzu but it's still there uh and what's interesting about the the bridge of the shenzu is that it's um it's been constructed so it's it's sort of hanging from the ceiling in a way but it's supposed to be a bridge that on the underside of the vessel like usually the, oh. we think of the bridges as being on top of the saucer section right right um, in this case the Shenzhou's bridge is actually on the underside of the saucer section well that's sort of like what the reliant is like right a little bit isn't it sort of is the reliant on the underside kind of well, I don't know about the no. It's not on the underside, but the nacelles are kind of in the wrong place. The na- uh, right, yeah, the nacelles kind of are, but in this yeah. case, it's the bridge that is. So no, never. Uh, I don't think we. I don't think any Federation ship of merit of note has had sort of a hanging bridge. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. None of none, none of the major ones yeah. that, that we've seen. So uh, so that was interesting, and it was really constructed in such a manner. We stood just outside the set of that one. We didn't go up into it, but. Um, that uh, you could actually see the the shape of it and, and huge windows and everything, uh, and then we walked o- we walked <laughs> over to the to the transporter room and nice. um, that's another set that doubles for Discovery and Shenzhou, so they'll redress it f- depending on what um, which ship they're supposed to be on. So I got to stand on the transporter and get my picture taken. Nice, and, and that was a real highlight. And one of the things about all these sets as well is that they really. All the graph. If, if you think about like sort of the next gen and uh, Deep Space Nine and those shows, everything was very touch patty kind of, right? The yes. consoles. Mm-hmm. The, these sets have working buttons. I kind of snuck and clicked a couple of buttons when no one was looking. Right. And um, room for everybody now. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can you cut that part out? Yeah. And uh, there's like sliding dials and um, well, all kinda, kinds of so things. So it's a like little, that. it's a little bit halfway between the style of TOS and, and TNG. Now, yeah, it is. Yeah. How and much, you know what how else they the, kept? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what, what the producer kept talking about was also Star Trek Enterprise, which I don't think we've, I don't think we have talked much about that in the press in general. But the um, the influence of Enterprise is definitely. Um, coming into play here as well. But well, the, the color does, scheme of the ship is very Enterprise. Yeah. You know, and, the, in, and the, in, the uniforms as well sort of um, call back to the blue jumpsuits yeah. of Enterprise, right? Yeah. Um, no, I love the new uniforms because they do have a, similar to the, the, the Enterprise uniforms, but they are more, you know, they're more Star Trek-y. I mean, yes, they're not the bright 
primary colors of the velour yep. of 1966, but that would be ridiculous. And right. it's a nice blend. Um, I so, wanted to ask you that when you're on the bridge, um, was there um, or did they tell you or, or were there like spots where they said, oh, this is where a green screen will be or this is where we'll incorporate CGI into the mechanics of the ship, into the dials and buttons and whatnot? Because I think there'll be a little bit of that. Yeah, I think there will be. They didn't get too much into that. Uh, the the view screen itself is um, going to be CG, as I understand it. So there is green screen beyond that most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and on, for the Shenzhou Bridge as well, there was a huge green screen on the outside of it um, to to fill in the um, the view screen or the or the window, depending on the case. And in um, uh, in Lorca's in Captain Lorca's ready room. The window behind him as well, I believe there was a green screen outside the window for, for the start. I'm assuming for the starfield effect, um, whether you're traveling at warp or um, a stationary starfield. So there's definitely some of that, but I didn't see, in terms of the bridge itself, we didn't, they didn't go into any details about, you mean like filling in computer displays or something yeah, like that? Yeah, like, you know, to sort of, yeah, or, or, yeah, computer filling in or like having like a hologram pop up or anything like right. that. Right. Everything looked. I'm, it really everything looked highly functional yeah. uh, in terms because like when you would go up to the display as I said there were star maps and things but then there would also be like at like um, uh, like Lieutenant Saru's um, count, um, station there was like a um, a readout on some kind of alien vessel I don't know what it was but it was a three a sort of three dimensional computer graphic of the vessel and all the details about it so I. I don't. I mean, they're putting so much detail into that stuff. I would think that that's meant to be um, camera friendly, at least from the kind of a you know, aside from going in for extreme close-ups of the console, um, where maybe they can they'll add things. But a lot of it is just ready to be shot as is. I think. So other than the uh, corridors, transporter rooms, the bridge, the ready room, the out, the exterior of the Shenzhou Bridge, did you make your way to one of the Klingon ships? We actually did not oh. see a Klingon ship. Oh. We did not. They were cloaked. <laughs> <laughs> which was disappointing. I will say that there was a set I'm not allowed to talk about, unfortunately, that oh. we kind of stumbled upon, which is they were filming episode uh, 12 the day we were there. Uh -huh. So pretty late in the season, and they asked that we just not talk about it, but it's a little spoilery. And, right, right. Even um, it was like an accident. He was like, oh, what's behind this door? No. And then they <laughs> well, just signed we an the NDA. We were in the costume department, and there was a bunch of designs hanging on the wall that we saw that maybe okay. maybe they would have preferred we hadn't seen. All right, so, so somebody goofed and, and forgot to put something away that the press yeah. shouldn't have and seen. so then at that point, I you think saw they kind it, and of then were they, like, well, we can let them see this set, but since they, they can't talk about this stuff anyway. But, okay. Um, All but, right, well, you uh, know, when we, I, get to see, when we get to episode 12, we're going to have you back on the show to talk about it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, I would say, you know, while we're on the topic of the costumes, I did actually see some of the early physical costumes they made which were the old gold blue and red tunic style uh that were sort of test costumes that that where they were they experimented of course you, I mean, you know how these yeah you know, things work with big big hollywood productions they they do a million versions of a thing before they finalize it and at one point they did have uh gold blue and red tunics which called back to the um the original series yeah. suits but they also felt to me sort of like the cage era like the fat the sort of i don't know there's something about the fabric and the collars on them reminded me a bit of the cage era yeah well th th those costumes those the cage era had like thicker 
kind of fatter collars, like yep. um, ridged right. almost. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so they were definitely, and there were a couple. They had a couple of versions of them that were slightly. One was a more a brighter colored set, and then a more toned down version. Yeah. So they definitely played with that idea, and they ultimately decided not to go in that direction. What do you think? What of, do you think? What, did they make the right choice? Are the new it's ones? A tough, you know, it's a tough call because, like, they had the the final costumes laid out on mannequins right there for us, and they looked so beautiful and finished. Yeah. And then the the colored versions that didn't make the final cut were just hanging on hangers, and they weren't really finished. <laughs> Look at so this junk over here. You know, we didn't choose that. No, <laughs> right, I get it. I mean, right. I, you know, I sort of have mixed feelings myself I, i've you know now that we, the, the images have been in the you know out there for for so long and i also i saw the costumes in las vegas at a, the display that cbs put together um they do look really great and i yeah, especially love the medical uniform yeah the all white uniform yeah, it's really cool yeah yeah it's really nice so you know the the thing is about you know the the really nerdy um guy inside who lives deep inside me he's worried about things like that well why doesn't you know why don't they match up with the cage era costumes or why right. isn't the tech exactly the same but you know at the same time this is a big production it's the it's the year 2017 right yeah well, you have to not only do you have to differentiate from what's come before but you also have to acknowledge the advances in technology over the sure. past 50 years so i understand why they're doing this and, and they're the trying to make the it their own in, thing right? make it their own thing and also the changes in television you can't have it look like yeah. if it looked like the if it looked like when scotty went to the the holodeck in relics <laughs> right. to recreate the 66 <laughs> set right. it would be a joke it would yeah. be laughed it would be laughed out i mean yeah. Uh, it, you know, and, was, and, you know, uh, the show The Orville, which I haven't seen yet either. Maybe by the time this airs, I'll have seen it, um, which is Seth MacFarlane basically recreating the next generation. Yeah. That set does look like a joke, but The Orville's a comedy, you right, know, exactly. and that's okay. Exactly. So, yep, exactly. Uh, you know, so, they got, they got and to, to some, but you're right, you know, and I've been struggling. Well, struggling is the wrong word. I've been hustling with this also myself. And I think the thing is this. For the fans that really just can't make the connection, that just want it to be like old TOS, there are scores and scores of novels set in that era that are waiting for you to read on the shelves of your local bookstore and library that are set in the Cage era, in TOS era, that have those old characters. And no, it's not the same as watching it on TV, there's no season four of the original series, but you know there is stuff out there, you know, and and it's yep. you gotta you, if you want to play in that sandbox some more. It's there's so much of that material out there in another form. So yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, you know, and they but and at the same time, the producers all, uh, and the cast have all said that they they're, they are sticking to canon in terms of story the stories themselves and the characters and the plot. So it's not like they're ignoring. Um, what has come before either. No. So, and, you uh, know, we did the panel in Las Vegas about, and it's uh, recorded and you can listen to it on this podcast. Uh, you can go back a few weeks um, where we interviewed um, David Mack, who's writing the book uh, that for the, the Discovery prequel, which will be in stores the week of the Discovery premiere, which uh, more than anything else is going to tie things into canon in, in ways that I think will delight yeah. fans tremendously and i know it's yeah. not the same but um it's also a nice uh add-on so yeah. um 
So, so now we we've. So, was there anything else that you saw? Any other rooms um, that you saw that you can talk about? Yeah, there about, were or? a couple of. There were. I was on the engineering set also, mm. uh, and uh, that was pretty cool. It's. Um, it, there's a there's a whole section sort of in the back of the engineering where, which is devoted to Lieutenant Stamets like mushroom and fungus collection. Oh sweet! Did you see <laughs> uh, any so, of those? And that so there's something. And again, they were being kind of um, mysterious about the details here, but uh, essentially Lieutenant Stamets that somehow his re- his research in, into mushrooms and fungus. It's somehow tied into engineering, and it's an important aspect of the show. That's all I. He's gonna find a. He's gonna find a, a, a mushroom that's gonna like zap him into a wormhole or something. Like that. <laughs> so um, that's happened before. Many people have experienced that. <laughs> with that's mushrooms. right. At a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> have you? Um, have you? Uh, when you were in engineering, did they have like a wire, a wire fence that like Scotty would hang on to when when the, the photon torpedoes were? No, firing? I did no? not see a wire fence. Actually, oh, unfortunately, bad. that would have been great. Actually. <laughs> was there a forced perspective uh, painting no. in the back? No, it's no, all they just had. Um, okay. It was essentially a, a closed chamber, which was supposed to indicate where the um, where the actual uh, warp drive was beyond that sort of. Okay, um, but it's not. There's not a forced perspective aspect all to right. it. Did it glow? Uh, was it? Was there like clearly like that's the chamber? Or woom, 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 it wasn't. Woom. It wasn't glowing while I was there, but it maybe okay. when they're shooting, it'll glow. I surely <laughs> hope so. I also saw uh, I saw a bunch of stuff. I just want to run through what I, every, anything else I missed real quick. Um, outside the transporter room, there were like lockers with environmental suits oh. or like um, EVA suits, I guess, uh, which I thought made a ton of sense. Like, of course, you should have your spacesuit ready to go in the transporter room, you know, because you're not always going to beam down to that. That friendly no, planet. No, no, you're going to be on an asteroid or something like that. Right, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was cool. And we also saw a, um, an airlock set, um, which, again, had um, an EVA suit aspect to it. But there's a, there's a big door that opens to an airlock, an exterior air, airlock. Um, and then there's also a platform, which is sort of like um, an elevator, uh, sort of a circular elevator without doors, I guess, which rises up and will take a crew member up to outside to the hull of the ship. So what I... The way they explained it, I sort of was picturing. Do you recall Star Trek: The Motion Picture when they when they exit uh, to go visit V'ger? They kind of just are suddenly standing on the saucer section. Yes, yes, yeah. So I think it's that kind of a of a situation there. Yeah, no, and that that is like a that would be handy. It's like I got to get to the hull, you know. I just right. get me up there. Get me up there. So yeah. so listen, you know, we 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 don't have uh, too much time uh, left because uh, you're a busy man. But uh, <laughs> who who did you talk to? Who did you meet? We know you uh, met Aaron Harbarth. Did you meet? Uh, yeah, did you I, meet I Lieutenant Saru? Did you meet um, what's his name? Doug Jones. Yep, I spoke to Doug Jones. I spoke to uh, pretty much everybody, really. And most of the most of the main cast. I, I spoke to uh, Sonequa Martin Green. I spoke to Michelle Yao. I spoke to Jason Isaacs, um, and uh, they're all so excited about this project. It's sort of contagious. Like it really. Just talking to them. And, you know, you never know. Like, I've been on set visits before where everyone's so excited about the project and it looks great. And then you see the final product and it doesn't quite come together. So you never know. But they seem really so into this this project and they really seem to get what Star Trek is all about. Like, they don't, they're not trying to make an action-adventure thing with lasers and stuff. They, they're, they're trying to – sure, there will be action – and lasers in it, or phasers rather, but um, but they really seem to to get the idea of what of what Star Trek is supposed to be about. Yeah. And I spoke to them a bit about the idea of 
of portraying war on Star Trek, which is a could be you know a controversial idea. I know, of course, we've seen war before on Star Trek. Deep Space Nine did its whole thing, and, right? But Deep Space and, Nine has always been the different show, right? And yeah. it was also at a time when if you didn't like Deep Space Nine, you can go watch Voyager, right? Exactly. And uh, Harbert was like he, <coughs> he he was pretty you know frank about it. He was like, yeah, you know, it's it is kind of a, a different thing for us to do this, uh, but. He, his take on it is the Federation does not become the Federation without going through things like this. And he said that the, uh, a lot of the characters even asked the same question on the show, which is, you know, we, Discovery is, a, is a, meant to be a science vessel. Like, we, we didn't, this was not the mission we thought we were go, heading out on to be involved in a war and to be mm. soldiers. We're scientists, and Stamets, for example, uh, is often concerned with the fact that his research is being used in the service of war. So right. there's a lot of Star Trek-y kind of ideas being applied to this concept of war within Starfleet. And I think one of the, I get the feeling talking to them that one of the big questions at the heart of the, this season of the show will be how does Starfleet, how does Starfleet not just fight a war, but how does Starfleet end a war without becoming that which it's fighting, right? How does it, how does it find peace without having to wipe out its enemies? Whoa. So there's some, some cool concepts going on there. And, and, of course, and topical concepts also. Very yeah. topical yeah. concepts. And, yeah. and I think the same, um, the same question is going to come up for the Klingons as well. I don't think the Klingons are being portrayed as just straight-up warmongers did, here. Right? Did you meet the actors playing the Klingons? I only met one of, of the actors playing the Klingon, playing a Klingon, uh, and... Uh, she, I'm trying to remember her name and right Mar now. Mary Chifo. Mary Chifo, yes. yeah. And she's, she's awesome. I hung out with her in Las Vegas. She's a Yeah, she's, she's really cool, isn't she? Well, she uh, is, um, you know, a relative newcomer. I mean, she, she's, yeah. she's very young, and uh, she is a you know, trained actor. She went to um, um, Juilliard, you know, so she, yep. just, she knows her stuff. Yep. And she has really taken this role and put her all into it and you know i joked with her i'm like playing klingon i'm like oh do you, you, you speak so i'm like ah and i know that you're taught you're speaking klingon on set and there's a klingon language expert there and she goes yes i'm not fluent but i can read it <laughs> and i'm like i'm kind of joking with you but that's awesome <laughs> she's really into it she yeah. was name dropping she name dropped kalar awesome belana torres like she was like she knew what she was talking the dora sisters because yeah. I spoke to her about the idea of uh, Klingon glass ceiling. Is there, a, <laughs> is there a glass ceiling in the Klingon, within um, the Klingon Empire? Well, uh, and she has some thoughts about that, for I sure. I mean, the Dora sisters would say no, but, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, well, I don't know, though. I mean, the Dora sisters did have to sit, sit by and let their idiot brother kind of run things at first, though, right? I guess you're right. I guess you're right, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's great because she already um, is, is like, she's in this one. You know, some, ac some actors don't know or maybe don't quite recognize what they're getting into when they take a Star Trek role. Yeah. And some actors do and are really excited. Like from the new movies cast, uh, Carl Urban from day one was like, I'm your guy, you know, and he loves it. And he goes yep. to the conventions and he is a fan, which is not to say the others aren't, but, you know. Yeah. yeah, Chris Pine has yet to go to a convention, you know? Right, right. Uh, Mary Chifo was mixing it up with the fans, who and and they already were digging her, and they haven't even seen her in... She doesn't even have a line in the trailer. Right. But, you know, they were digging her, and she's like, I am the woman Klingon you are all going to love. So yeah. 
it's pretty exciting. So she's somebody that I got my eye on. I have yet to meet Soniqua. She seems wonderful in every interview I've seen. Tell me a little bit about your, your time with her. She's terrific, yeah. So I had actually spoken to her at uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, in July as well. That was the first time I got to talk to her about Star Trek. And uh, she is another one who just has seems to have really immersed herself in it. She's been pouring through, watching the, the – I think she watched – immediately jumped in and went and watched all the original series and i i think plans on working her way through um everything eventually uh and she is just su like super excited about this but again really seems to get it i spoke to her about uh the idea of being a being spock's you know stepsister i yeah. guess or adopted sister uh and I spoke to her about Amanda as well, which you know, we've heard a little bit about her relationship with Sarek and how she has um, adopted some sort of Vulcan ideas in her, as an adult in, in her career and in her life. Uh, and that even though she's a human, she approaches a lot of things as a Vulcan. But I spoke to her about Amanda as well, Spock's mom, Sarek's wife. And, yeah. and she said that we, we will see that as well. We will see how the very human uh, woman, Amanda, has also informed Michael Burnham and, and uh, how she's another one of her mentors. Uh, in addition to that, she, she wouldn't, I, I had to ask her the question I knew she wouldn't answer, which was, do we get to see Spock as a child or anything like that? And she wouldn't answer it, but she also wouldn't come out and say no. She just said, stay tuned. So <laughs> That's a good we'll answer. See. I like that. I, like I that think answer. there might be some aspect of us seeing uh, some flashbacks in this show. Like we yeah. might revisit her childhood on Vulcan at certain points. I don't know that for sure. Again, it's kind of a feeling I got. But so that leaves open the room to like, you don't have to bring in Zachary Quinto or someone to play an adult Spock. But you could have glimpses of a young Spock under those circumstances. Right. You? I mean, from what I understand is that Burnham is a little older than Spock. I don't know. She, have you heard that? Uh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm not supposed to say that. I don't know. Uh, you know, don't I don't know what I've heard. You're not supposed to say. I don't know. I've heard. I've heard. Um, I've heard uh, that uh, this is what I have heard. And uh, that there is a prequel novel that's coming out two days after the first episode. And a lot of these Michael Burnham's childhood questions are going to be answered. Okay. All right. All okay. Right. We can well, leave that in. We can leave that, that in, would, Brian. Does it make sense that she'd be a bit older anyway? Because if she's already exec officer by the time she's on the Shenzhou, just career-wise, it would seem she's advanced further than Spock would have at that point. It does. Right? It does. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, groovy. And uh, I'm trying to think, who who was like the funniest person you talked to in the cast? Uh, you know, she's really Sinequa is really funny. Yeah, actually, yeah, she's 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 actually she's really hilarious. Actually, I mean, she's the kind of actor who you feel like she's not just being an actor when you're having when you're interviewing her. Like she's not just saying what needs to be said. Yeah, she seems like the kind of person you'd want to go down to the hotel bar with and like awesome. have a few a few beers with yeah uh, and of course doug jones who, uh, who <laughs> i'm sure you've met many times is you know he's the the makeup sure press from um guillermo del toro's many movies and he's plays lieutenant saro here he's just a pleasure to hang out with as well uh, did you meet the woman who plays the young um ensign Tilly or whatever her name is. Ensign? I met, you know, I met her at Comic Con. She wasn't there the day I was right. on set. What is the character's name? It's not Ensign Tilly. It's Ensign. 
It's Ensign. I think it is Ensign Tilly. Is no? it Ensign Smiley? I don't know. She's like a little <laughs> redhead girl, you know. Ensign she's... Pulver. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's. Uh, she, she, that's another character that I'm very intrigued by because we're seeing it's a little bit of the lower decks syndrome, yes, right? If you recall yeah. the next gen episode, I, I do. I was talking about it last night at drinks with a friend of mine. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> so we're seeing um, we're seeing aspects of the ship that we don't uh, usually see on a weekly right. basis. Well, I mean that's what's so cool. Yeah, like like Stamets and his friggin' mushrooms. I mean, when we first saw Sulu, he's with the crazy plants, right? And and right. Janice Rand, yeah, Janice Rand has uh, you know has his lunch, and uh, I mean that, and then you never really saw yes uh, Sulu the botanist again. I yep. love that. Yeah, so yeah. You, I will say that in general, I it, I get the sense that there, this is going to have a big ensemble cast beyond the yeah. beyond the characters we've already learned about, because like just walking around like the makeup department, we saw some designs. Like there's a there's some kind of a synthetic humanoid character which who who works on the bridge. Apparently, she is it or she. It appeared to be a she. Uh-huh. Is a featured player on who we see often see on the bridge of the Discovery, but it's not someone we've seen in any of the marketing or anything yet. Well, um, I mean that's that's great. I mean, yeah. Let's so I more, wonder if like, stuff. down the line where we can start to get to a Deep Space Nine kind of place where like. You know the 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 Wyuns and the Nogs and the the Garricks all start to get their own yep. storylines. Demar, and it always yeah. comes to death. So it's always, um, listen. Uh, you know, in ten days we'll have the show episode one on CBS Prime. Yep. And then CBS All Access. I guess the only way we can ensure that we get a season, I think a season two is a definite. But the only way we can ensure a season three is if we get enough people to. Uh, Shell out a few a few bars of gold press latinum and get CBS it. all access. So uh, Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've wanted to have you on since day one, and just the the the, the stars never quite aligned. But absolutely, I'm glad that we were able to make it happen finally. You uh, know? But I want to have off you in the Delta Quadrant for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> want to have you in here in the studio at some point once the show is on the air. Um, sure, I would love to have you come back, and we can really do a deep dive. Absolutely. Once we're in this show that we hopefully love, if we don't love it, I guess we got to be honest about it. But for now, all signs point to it being a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. Very good. All right, Scott, thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.